Welcome back, dear. I'm back. I'm glad you're feeling better. Thanks for covering for me. Um, for anyone who is going to be tuning into our new podcast this morning, Irresistible Grace, the sickness that we talk about that on that podcast is completely different from the one that kept me out of this podcast two weeks ago. So it's been a month for, for my health. I keep telling her she needs to wash her hands before she eats. Stop putting her hands in her mouth because she just keeps getting sick. Those are things that I do. I do wash my hands. I do keep my hands out of my mouth. But twice in one month, I had two different strange sicknesses. And hopefully I'm done for like a year. Well, we're glad to have you back. We are happy to be back and doing a new episode of Imperfect Family. And don't ever leave us again because I certainly did not enjoy as much doing a solo episode as I thought I would. Yeah. Thanks for covering, but yes, hopefully I won't be missing again anytime soon. All right, let's go. Hello, I'm Chuck. And I'm Ellen. And this is Imperfect Family, where we try to pursue biblical, theological, and creative ways to uphold the supremacy of God in marriage and parenting. This podcast is mostly unscripted, and it's just the two of us trying to work through and talk through issues that Christian families might face. This episode is It's Okay. All right, so you planned this episode. What are we talking about today? Well, uh, something that's just been on my mind the last couple of days and throughout the weekend, and yeah, it doesn't really have a whole lot to do with parenting or marriage, but it also does have a lot to do with parenting and marriage. So have you heard or, well, I know you have because I've brought it up, but um, there's this there's this person out there called Nightbird. Such a cool name. I love it so much. Yeah. And if you guys haven't seen this story, it's, it's pretty amazing. Uh, there's this young woman. She's 30 years old. She went on America's Got Talent. And um, it was just amazing to watch what happened. So she goes on there. She's got very short hair, extremely skinny, really pretty face, but sunken eyes. and um, just a quiet spirit, and the judges, you know, of course, just do their usual banter. Who are you? What are you here to do? Blah, blah, blah. And it comes out, she says, uh, oh, I don't really have a job. I've been struggling with cancer. And, you know, the, the show gets uh, dramatic. The music plays. It, qu- it cuts out. And, um, Simon- and, and you can kind of see on, on all the judges' faces, they're like, what do we say? It's a little uncomfortable. And like, yeah. is the audience that felt a little uncomfortable also. Yeah. And like, uh, you know, I think Howie tries to lighten the mood a little bit. Um, it doesn't work because there's just, just a reality that there's a sick woman on stage. And uh, then Simon says, uh, well, can I ask you a question? How are you now? And she goes, um, well, the last time I checked, uh, I have cancer in my lungs and my spine and in my liver. And everyone just is like, okay, well, wow. And, and she says this with the biggest smile on her face and everyone's just like, how am I supposed to react to this? Because it's like so tragic, but you're smiling. So. Yeah. so then she sings her song and it's called It's Okay. And it's a beautiful song just about her life and that, you know, despite everything that she's going through, it's okay. It's all right. Um, this, is, this is life. It's full of tragedy. And after it's over, I mean, everyone's just stunned. Um, you know, uh, their faces are just like, you know, they don't know what to say. Even Simon Cowell is just like speechless. And um, so she steps in and she says, 
Um, I can't wait until the hard stuff is over before I decide to be happy. And, you know, it wows everyone and she gets the golden buzzer and it's just a, a cool moment. And then after the interview, she says, um, she's so happy. She goes, you know, I have a 2% chance to live, but you know what? It's not 0%. And I just want people to know that. Um, I'm like tearing up again as you're retelling the story. I was like sobbing the first time I saw it and I'm over here tearing up again, <laughs> hearing, yeah. hearing what's going on. So I saw this video on YouTube. I saw the the video of her performance and this um, video from AGT. And uh, in the comments, I mean, just everyone is like, wow, what an amazing person. Like, I hope I have this. I want this kind of attitude. Like, it's so amazing that she has this attitude. And so you do just a tiny bit of digging and you go on this girl's blog and you find out a little bit about her. And come to find out, I mean, she's just a huge believer in God and Jesus Christ. Um, I mean, it's just so apparent in her story. And so I'm reading about this girl's blog, finding out about her life, and just the stark reality that um, she's faced with death uh, very soon. She's young, she's 30, and she's just got this smile on her face, hope. Her mantra for her life is, it's okay, because it is, because... She's close and the Lord is near to her. Um, AGT didn't mention that at all. The people in the comments of YouTube didn't know that probably at all. And yet, they were so hungry for it. And it's so apparent even on Simon Cowell's face. When her worldview comes up against his worldview, he does not know what to say. Um, and so I just wanted to talk about that today because... Um, I'm overwhelmed by the hope that we have in God and in Jesus, and I think that good stories like hers show us what bad stories are, and so I just kind of want to talk through it with you today and just, yeah, talk through the hope that we have in our Lord. Yeah, I was really excited when you brought this up that we were going to be talking about this because I actually had seen this video um, a few days before you had, and I think anyone who listens to this podcast knows us well enough to know I'm more of a softy than you are. And so this video just really touched me and I was very emotional about it. But I didn't mention it to you because you're not typically that way about things like this. And then you saw it on your own a few days later and you're like, hey, have you seen this? Like, it's so touching. Listen to this girl's story, you know, whatever. And I was like, oh my gosh, I've been thinking about this girl and I've been reading her blog all week. But we just hadn't talked about it. So when you said we were going to be talking about it today, I was really excited to just kind of hash out the root of the joy that she has. Yeah. I think we've done several episodes now and, and we've stuck to marriage and parenting. And this is clearly a Christian podcast, um, but we've never taken the time to really explore the hope that we have, the convictions that we have as Christians, um, as hosts of a podcast and our motivation motivation to just proclaim what we have and what we see. Um, and so when stories like hers come around, it just grips you in such a way that it's like, man, this is what I just wish everybody understood. And when you look at Simon Cowell's face 
and you read the comments on YouTube, you see how hungry people are for this stuff. They want to have hope. And and that's why we have this podcast is we just want to proclaim it. Yeah, I think as I'm thinking through why we do this podcast, you know, like you said, we typically talk about marriage, we talk about parenting. And I think I almost take for granted that I do have this hope to sustain me in our marriage and in our parenting. Where like I can't imagine going through those experiences of raising our children and the trials that come with marriage. I can't imagine facing that without this hope. But it's just so ingrained in who we are and the life that we live that I almost sometimes overlook it until I come across things like this and I'm so taken aback of yeah, like let's stop and reflect about this hope and where it comes from and why we have it and how we can find rest in that in our day-to-day life and in struggles. I think we're really quick to just say some of the things that you just said and and I'm not putting you up against a wall, but like, you know, people will say like I have hope in the Lord. Um I find rest in Jesus. Um, they're really, really quick to say that. Um, and the reality of Jesus hasn't fully struck on some folks' hearts. Um, you know, and like, that is what, as a parent, besides the saving, the knowledge that Jesus has come to save, that is what I want our kids to know. Like, if I could, if I could pass off one thing is like, I want my kids to know that when we say we have hope in Jesus, uh, it is not just something we put on a Christian t-shirt. Like this is, this to me is, I heard somebody describe it this way. Like knowing Jesus in this way is the difference between knowing that a hurricane is coming and knowing what the hurricane is coming because you're standing in it and it's beating against you. Like, I don't want our kids to know the hope of Jesus just as a phrase and that it's available to them and anytime they want, they can say the right prayer and, you know, air quote, feel Jesus. Like, I want them to know the nearness that God is and he's so close to us. I was, uh, I didn't read much of her blog, to be honest. I saw some of the language she used, but I did see that, um, I mean, this woman is, is, uh, very near to Christ. I mean, she just, she's near death and she has one hope. And so she's, she's processing that. Her story's tragic, even outside of the cancer. She's young. She's 30 years old. Her husband of five years just left her in the middle of her sickness. And she's just lonely. And uh, she said that um, she met Jesus in, in different places in her life that we wouldn't normally think about, you know? And she says, um, she says, I've experienced the nearness of God. And she used this great thing I've never heard anybody say. She said, man was formed out of the dirt. When God created man, she filled him. She made him out of the dirt. She, he put his breath in man. And it's no surprise that when man opened his eyes for the first time, he had the breath of God in his lungs and God's hands were dirty. Um, just as an example of how um, God is so near that he's, his hands are literally dirty because he's so involved in our lives. And it's just like, man, as a dad, I will wake up at 6 a.m. every single day and take my kids out to learn the word of God just until they know this and they can tell others about it. 
Yeah, I have so much respect for people like this who can take something so beautiful as um, just Christ's sacrifice for us and um, when when man was created, just all of these amazing things that are in the Bible and they can write it in such a poetic way that makes it just come alive and seem so vivid. And I don't mean that to say that the scriptures themselves are not something that are vivid and worth reading. I don't mean it in that way, but I love seeing it written um, in this artistic way. And I think she does it so beautifully where I'm like, man, I never even thought about God putting his hand down and getting it dirty to create man. That's just something that's never crossed my mind, even though the scripture is so clear of God used his hand. Yeah. Um, so I just, as I was reading, I was like, man, it's just, it's coming alive to me in such a different way from her perspective. And I just, I loved how she wrote it. I, I, I've read it multiple times. Just, it, it's so beautiful. Yeah. And I don't, you know, I don't know all this girl's beliefs and, um, you know, I don't know if she can articulate some of the, the doctrines of grace or anything like that, but her faith seems so simple that she has a God who's near to her, um, because God is near and he came near. She's hope, and it's okay. Um, whether she lives or dies, she has the greatest friend of all. And like we were talking a little bit as we were just talking about this episode and what we were gonna, what we were gonna go through. You know, one of the things that came across my mind is, is people are, I mean, they're seriously hungry for this kind of stuff. I think that stories like hers just they intersect with our stories, and reality just bursts in. Um, there's, there's no escaping the truth that real authentic hope has, um, for people. And it's found in one place only. And the other example I was thinking of is if you, if you know anybody and you can find me one person who doesn't like Mr. Rogers, I mean, he just doesn't exist. Like he's such a universally liked person. Literally, you just said his name and like a smile popped onto my face. Yeah. Like he, he's so wonderful. Yeah. And like, you know, Americans love him. Um, they, I mean, they would call him an American treasure. And yet, the reason he was the way he was, in his kindness, in his gentleness towards children, in his care for families and education, was because he was a man who was so acquainted with the man of sorrows himself. He knew Jesus so intimately. He was a Presbyterian minister, ordained. He went to seminary with R.C. Sproul. I mean, these men just walk so closely with God and it overflowed into their personalities and who they are. And people look at him and they say, man, I want to be like Mr. Rogers. I want that kind of personality. Like, I want people like him in my life. It's like, guys, you're so hungry for what Mr. Rogers has or this nightbird lady has. It's so close, it's so available, and I want you, I want you to know about it. Um, and it's, you know, in our little humble ways, like, we have a podcast, and I hope people listen, and I hope they can hear the hope that we have in Jesus. Um, I want to proclaim it to everyone that we possibly can, and, you know, this is a podcast about marriage and parenting, and this is the stuff that gets me excited about having children, like raising them in the faith to know exactly this. Yeah, I um, recently took a, a class about evangelism. And as you were talking, it was just like all flooding back to my mind about what you were saying about how the world is just searching for this hope. 
and they don't even really know what they're looking for. And the examples that she was giving is, you know, go to the grocery store and like every time you're there, try to have the same cashier check you out or something like that and, you know, kind of build a relationship. And um, after you get a little bit more comfortable, maybe ask them, you know, how can I be praying for you? And and the the woman who was teaching this class had done this personally. And so she was sharing her story and um, she said the cashier just broke down and was like telling her all these terrible things that were going on. And like you said, didn't even know what it was that she was looking for. She just wanted someone to listen. Um, and at the end of all of this, this woman invited the cashier to church with her. And she's like, I didn't even know that this was what was missing in my life. I just thought I wanted someone to be nice to me or someone to care about what I was going through when like ultimately it was Christ that was missing in her life. And just this woman's kindness and intentionality in talking to her at the store is what led her um, to, to start going to church and to see that that's what she was missing. And I just, I want that to be kind of the life that we live as well, that we just look for these opportunities to share like, hey, we have this joy and we don't want to hoard it for ourselves. We just want to show it and tell it to everybody who will listen um, because everybody is is in need of this. My, It's funny that you mentioned that, like my perspective on evangelism has been changing lately from the facts of the gospel. I think, I think I've learned it in a really simple way. Like, when we present the gospel to folks, we tell them God created us for a very specific purpose, to give him glory. Man messed it up. All are now in sin. Jesus has saved us. And how would you respond to that? And like, that's the simple gospel presentation. And I still think it's good. And I think it's, that's probably the right way to, to turn it. But what's missing in there is like, I think there's a lot of power nowadays in just experience and like, telling other people my experience with Jesus and what he's done. And, um, you know, I like, I've never been a big testimony guy, but I think I'm coming around on that because I think it's powerful to, to relate to folks and give them the hope that I have, um, rather than just going through that simple formula. Um, though I think that formula is definitely good and necessary. So I don't know. Uh, I've been reading this book lately, just on the same topic, this gentle and lowly book, um, which is sort of low-key taking the Christian world by storm. I think it's, uh, I heard that there's somebody who liked this book so much that uh, he purchased 200 copies for every church in America. He just needs to go, you just have to go request them. That's amazing. Yeah. And so I've been reading it and... um our church is going to be getting our copies, I think, sometime in the fall. And so I wanted to get ahead of it because we're going to do a book study on it. Um, and one of the things he talks about in the book, he uses this great example of, um, you know, we've, we've become accustomed to as a church that, as a Christian church, just in general, that Jesus is out there. Um, he's out there for you to find. And, um, and we've gotten away from that Jesus has come as a man to draw near to his people. Um, he's come as a gentle and lowly savior, and we are so formulaic about what do I need to do to um, be near God or whatever. And he uses this as a great example. He says, imagine you're an Eskimo who has never, ever, ever been in hot weather. And he says, you're suddenly given a vacation to go to Hawaii, and you fly into Hawaii, and you get to your hotel, and, and you're like... Uh, 
but what do I need to do to experience the heat? It would be a silly question because all you need to do is simply be in the heat. And he uses this to say, like, when we say, <laughs> uh, I think he actually says in the book, he's like, here's the formula then. He says, step one, go to Jesus. Step two, see step one. <laughs> like, there's nothing there. It's just enjoy the Lord, enjoy the hope that we have. And, um, yeah, and it'll overflow to, to where amazing stories like this nightbird lady just can sing that it's okay despite having a 2% chance of making it to 31, you know? Yeah, man, I love that example. So that's exactly what I was talking about before of like, I love how people can take something that's so simple and just truth and just like put a picture to it and just make it come alive. Like I've never thought of it that way before, but as, as you were saying that, I'm like, oh, that's such a great example. I'm going to steal that and use that later. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, it's so good. Um, all right, dear. Well, let me ask you our John Piper premarital question of the week. Let's do it. All right, here we go. What does it mean to be active in the local church? I think a lot of people would answer that question and just simply say, like, you're in church on Sunday, maybe go to church you know, Wednesday night or one other time throughout the week. I think you and I have come to learn and love that it's so much more than that. Um, for us, and I think biblically this is true, it is a community of believers who are not only doing life together for a couple hours on Sunday morning, but like truly living life with one another. Um, so for us, you know, that looks a lot of different ways, but it in one way means that we're in small group with other folks who just know the ins and outs of our life. Um, and that means the, the good things and the ugly things, um, our sin struggles, our temptations, things like that. Um, and they're encouraging us in those things. And we're doing the same for them as well. It means that we are um, celebrating the joys of life together also just coming alongside one another and sharing each other's burdens, um, which could be in the small things like, hey, I'm just kind of having a rough day, or it could be a season of like, you know, just something really deep and dark, and your friends are just there encouraging you with the truth of the scriptures, um, encouraging you to stay in community together. Um, I know there was a period of time where I was just in a dark place and just really wanted to isolate. And it was those folks coming alongside and just being like, you know what? It's not okay for you to isolate. You need to come and be a part of this community anyway, because we can center our hearts on Christ together in this time. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, this is really quick thinking, but like, I think that would be like level two of what does it mean to be active in the local church? So number one would be, Go to church and become a member. Um, like church attendance is, and uh, like uh, in, even more than that, like small group attendance or whatever church programs we might have is like level one. Um, I think I'm super rigid on this for our family. Like we do not miss church ever. Um, recently, I, I say that and then I come to say that like, recently we had to miss two Sundays in a row and it was, it was awful it was the first two sundays we had missed in like a year um and we just had you know 
family coming from across the country, coming to a different part of the state that we just had to travel to go see. Um, I, I can't, oh, and then the other, the other one week, is when I was sick. Yeah, the other one was when you were sick, but also my, uh, my twin sister had had a baby and we could only go see him on Sunday. And so we just missed two, two Sundays in church. But like to me, it's like there's 52 Sundays in a year. Like we should strive to be at 50 or more of them. So that's like level one for me. Level two is what you said. It's like um, we're so active and we're so connected in local church that all the things you described are true. Um, you know, you can't be at that level if you don't show up. So there's that. That's a good point. Um, but then to me, like, and I think this is something that's new as I've started to think, like, think about this a little bit is like level three would be our lives are so intertwined. We're so not just in community, but so intertwined. We are the bride of Christ that our missions start to overlap in life. Um, we start to see our mission in ministry coinciding with the, the mission of ministry in our friends around the church and in our lives. Um, and our whole lives are changed around that. Um, you know, I'm, I'm looking at our situation that we're in right now and the men and women that are in our lives all trying to figure out how to further the kingdom of God now here for the rest of the time we have left. And all of our stories are intertwining. And it's like, it's like the next level of what does it mean to be active in the local level church? Level three, is that level where we're three. getting? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I just love it. All right. So in the spirit of we just did a whole episode about this night bird person, um, I took a quote from her blog. Um, I want to be careful in this episode to not like put her on a pedestal and everything, but I thought it would be interesting to kind of talk about this. So um, in one of her posts, she says, God isn't often in the business of taking pain away. Instead, he adds to it. He's, a give, he's more of a giver than a taker. He doesn't take away my darkness. He adds light. What do you think of that? Yeah, I get what she's saying. Um, and I agree with her to an extent. Um, I don't think she means it in the sense of he's adding more pain. I think she's saying in the middle of pain, he's going to add something different to it. Mm-hmm. Out of context, it sounded a little different than that. Sure. Um, I do think that uh, there is no promise in Scripture that our bodies will um, be pain-free. Uh, I do see, even outside of her situation, that's extreme. Like, as we get older, our bodies just get more and more falling apart, right? Um, I know yeah. that's true. I mean, for a while, we served in a congregation of all elderly folks. Um, and literally, I would say, if you're willing and able to stand, please stand for the reading of the word of God. You know, like, And several Sundays, I was the only one standing. Yeah. Just, and like, legitimately, they could not stand. Yeah. I mean, it's no secret that um, there's no promise in scripture that our bodies are going to be pain-free. So in that sense, I get what she's saying. Now, the second part of it where she says, um, he doesn't take away darkness, he adds light. Um, I mean, I think it's, uh, well, I don't know. John definitely talks about how um, darkness and light can't mix together. So think, when light is... I think is, she means darkness in the sense of like tragedy and suffering, mm -hmm. not like literal like yeah. sin darkness. Gotcha. I mean, when darkness 
uh, is met with light, the darkness is taken away. So, so the perspective that I would have on this, and I think she would too. I mean, I don't know that much about her, but like we were talking about this in prep for your guys's irresistible grace episode. It's like, um, part of the problem with the prosperity gospel is they, um, they promise healing, right? Healing now. And that's bled over so much into the American life. And like, um, to the point of, you know, where, um, we as Christians have, um, a spouse that has cancer or, um, what it, I mean, I don't know what the situation could be. There's so many where we start to pray like, Lord, heal my wife, heal my uh, son, heal me. And we get very wrapped up in that so much to the point where um, if it doesn't happen, uh, God didn't answer our prayer and now we're angry at God. When the truth of the matter is for those who are in Christ, when we ask God to heal them. He already has. Um, we will be in resurrected bodies someday. I remember in Second Corinthians, there's this awesome passage where he talks about we dwell in earthly tents, groaning while our Father is building for us an eternal dwelling. Like, the bodies that we have now are tents, and we groan in them. I mean, we just feel the wind blowing at the tents all the time. They get riddled with all kinds of stuff and sicknesses and suffering and trials and whatever it might be. Um, but we know that for us, our Lord is preparing for us an eternal dwelling. That is the dwelling of the child of God. Pipe, uh, not Piper. Uh, Charles Spurgeon has a quote about this where he talks about as we age and as we live our lives, it becomes more and more apparent that these bodies were never meant for the child of a king. Um, you know, and so. And so in her situation, what she's talking about, like, I agree, but I feel like it's what she said, but also more than that. Um, you know, like, our bodies here are riddled with darkness in, in far of, like, the, as far as, like, the consequences of sin, but light has entered it, and that darkness is taken away. It is taken away, but... It's being prepared for us in an eternal dwelling. Yeah, I also love that passage. It's, um, I mean, you know this because you live here, but it's hanging on our wall. Um, a portion of this passage is a reminder for our family of our focus is not here. It's on eternity. Um, and it's just something that we need reminded every moment of every day that even in the hard times here, this isn't it. This is our tent. Mm-hmm. And eternity is where we're headed. Yeah. And that's such a, I mean, such an encouragement. It's hanging right by our door. And so every time we walk out the door, we see it. And I just love being reminded of that before I start my day and I head off to work, knowing that there might be, you know, just the day-to-day struggles of it was a frustrating day at work. Mm-hmm. This is not the end. This yeah. is just my tent. And I, and I want you to know, babe, like if you were struck with a life-threatening disease, I would pray for healing. Um, but I think the point I'm trying to make is like, at no point would I wrap myself up in that. Like, I know that this beautiful body you have now is not the body that Jesus has, has for you for eternity. Um, and that is the hope that we have in Christ, right? Yeah. Preach. Preach. All right, guys. Well, um, if you get a chance today, 
Commuter Ministries has launched its third podcast with Ooh. none other than very own Ellen over there and two of her and our best friends. Uh, it's a podcast for women called Irresistible Grace. The first episode came out today. Check us. If you need to find the link, just go to Facebook and Instagram. We'll, have, we'll be posting it all week, just promoting it so that people can find it. Um, or just type into your, wherever you listen, Spotify, wherever, uh, just type in Commuter Ministries and you'll see all three of our podcasts. Um, uh, they all have kind of similar logos so that people can find them easily. And uh, Ours is the cutest though. Ears is full grace. It's the <laughs> cutest one. Yeah, uh, it's cool. All right. So, and that's it. So um, anything you would add, babe? No, I'm glad I'm healthy though. Glad to be back. Me I too. will be back in two weeks. Yeah. Yeah. All right, guys. We will see you in two weeks. Bye, everybody. This podcast is part of Commuter Ministries. For more information about Commuter Ministries, visit us at www.commuterministries.org and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Commuter Ministries.